I think understanding the entirety of a person um, and being able to support that person in a more uh, comprehensive way as they pursue professional and personal interests is going to be really important for managers and leadership. And, and, it, and it should be already really important. We've just kind of, we've talked ourselves out of it for lots of real reasons, but I, I think we're going to have to talk ourselves back into it or talk ourselves into it. And, um, and do so in short order if we want to be a vibrant, uh, capable, successful organization. And I know we, we want to be, and I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to maintain like a relevant footing in, in a leadership community. And I want to be part of a next generation of really gifted uh, talent, whether that's within our walls or outside. Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Dwayne Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time that tests all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space, where real people, real marketers, talk about everything but advertising stories of growing up coming out falling down and looking in underneath it all we're all just humans this episode is a bucket list for me i speak with one of my best friends my mentor and someone that has really had a great impact on many in our industry donnie williams EVP, Chief Digital Officer of Horizon Media. If you know me, you know Donnie. I attribute a lot of my success and professional approach to his mentorship and overall care for the people around him. In our discussion, we talk about what it takes to be a leader of now and the future. The importance of evolving both as a parent and also as a member of our global society. But more importantly, why Donnie has all those tattoos. Donnie really inspired the pluralist and forever curious in me and continues to bring a lot of growth, innovation, and perspective to our industry and others around him. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did and take note of some of his guidance and vulnerability. With that, let's dive in. I try to be a person that's filled with gratitude, so I want to first thank you for giving me the time uh, today. I appreciate it. And, uh, and then, you know, this will probably come up within the dialogue, but also just Thank you for so many opportunities and so much support. A big part of me and my excitement for this conversation is just our history, you know, the time that we've spent together. Uh, and just, I think the honesty that you've instilled in me as a growing professional and just also as a human. So I told my son this morning, 
uh, as he was getting ready for remote school. I'm like, man, I'm so fired up today. He's like, what are you excited about? Um, I tell him I'm going to be talking to Donnie, the guy that you met this summer when we went fishing. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And then he goes, is Barack Obama also going to be on, <laughs> on <a> podcast? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, unfortunately, it, it, it's just Donnie, man. I mean, we can't we can't Not get yet. Barack. We can work our butts off, but we can't get Barack. So, um, so I'm super thankful, man. And you know how much I appreciate you, man. How, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm also excited. Um, it's a pleasure to connect as always. Uh, I'm doing fine, man. I'm, uh, I, you know, it, it's funny. It's like, um, there's so much going on, which, which, which you're well aware of. And there's so much going on across all these different areas. And, uh, you know, every day there are some challenges every day. There's some opportunities, but I think on the whole, um feel really blessed about where we are um where i am where my family is uh with regard to um you know what what the the circumstances that are unfolding all over this country so just been really lucky on the safety health and wellness front we've been um really lucky on the professional side of things the business front um, so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to not wake up really excited about, uh, the blessings. And then of course, opportunities like this to, to spend time are, are super fun as well. So I'm good and feeling, feeling refreshed after a nice break over the holidays. And, um, you know, it's not a, it wasn't a prototypical holiday, which, which probably is a good thing. Like I didn't stuff myself with bad stuff. And so, uh, the body feels you know, okay, and the mind feels well rested, and um, you know, very little to complain about. So, uh, all all good, man. Well, it, it's a good segue into uh, just the purpose of this podcast, and it's really more of a personal project that I've started, and a big reason that I began this journey and started to invite people to these types of conversations is a bit of what you referenced is. Uh, an opportunity for us to reflect, you know, we're living in a very unique time to put it politely. Um, and also to express our gratitude, you know, most of the folks that we know and work with and spend a lot of our professional time with, we're also humans, you know, we're not just, you know, we don't spend every day thinking about how to behaviorally target someone, you know, we have to live at home with our families and grapple with the turmoil in our world. And, you know, also think about our status and our responsibility uh, in today's climate. Um, and I think it's also nice to be able to have space to connect with people since we're so far away, you know, we don't have those opportunities to connect in the hallway or run into people at conferences. So this is really just a, an open and safe space to, you know, just show the humanity and the sort of human side of who we are. And to start that journey, I wanted to just learn a little bit more about your upbringing. And it's a broad question, but just, you know, tell me a little bit about what you remember growing up and where you grew up and a bit about your family and, um, you know, how that may have sort of shaped the person that you are today. Yeah, totally. Um, so I was born uh, on Long Island. I was born in a, in a small community outside of Oyster Bay called 
Glen Cove. It's like a little, um, like a, it's kind of a, I wouldn't call it a port city because it's so small. It'd be hard to consider it a port city, but it's kind of like a, um, it's a, it's a water centric community. Um, and at one point long ago, it was kind of a hub for tourism for, for folks uh, coming from New York City and wanted to get away. Um, and I lived for a number of years uh, in a neighboring area called Seacliff, which was um, which is a very pretty kind of progressive, liberal um, spot, one square mile, teeny tiny in, in the world of uh, Long Island, more broadly, and of course, New York State and, and uh, 20 miles outside of New York City. My father at that point, who's a former advertising executive himself, which is kind of hilarious, um, but he was more on the creative side. He, he had spun off and started to do his own work, uh, you know, around brand strategy, brand design, a lot of the, the aesthetic treatment of like conveying a, a brand's value proposition or, or attempting to articulate a brand's like, you know, point of distinction or differentiation through, through aesthetics. Um, uh, and he and decided, hey, like, you know, he wanted to move a, a little further away from the city. Um, I think there was a combination of reasons for that. Um, we ended up moving up toward uh, Fairfield County, which is uh, in Connecticut, where at least I, I ended up. Um, and we had uh, a space in, in a town called Richfield, another kind of like farming community. Um, small population, about 80 miles outside of the city, really beautiful, um, kind of dense forestry type stuff, really great way to actually grow up, um, really quiet, really protected. Um, yeah, and he was, uh, he was kind of a pretty successful entrepreneur slash advertising guy. And um, my mom, on the other hand, has been a public public teacher for I guess at the end of her career, close to 40 years or so. Um, and she was, uh, you know, she was enough of a, she, she's, my, my mother is, is like a very extremely hardworking, kind of like hard-nosed type. Um, Jason, I'm assuming you're familiar with that type, uh, given we're somewhat of the, you know, somewhat similar in age a little bit. Like, you know, it's like real, real kind of tough as nails, um, you know, like get it done type of a person. Uh, and she was a wonderful, she continues to be a, a real bright light in my life, but, um, you know, she worked her tail off forever and was a real contributor to the community being a public, uh, public school teacher for so long. And she stayed in this one school. The reason I surfaced is she stayed in this one school from like uh, one school in New York throughout the course of this journey. So we moved around a little bit and, you know, we were never further than a hundred miles outside of the city um in in my years leading up to college but uh she always worked for the same school was commuting 175 miles a day or something fucking ridiculous and uh so that that was kind of my my growing up and i i i don't know if there's anything else really interesting about that i mean i think these are like really white you know lily white communities there wasn't a tremendous amount of diversity with regard to the specific communities that I lived in, there was some socioeconomic diversity, but um, not a lot of cultural diversity. Uh, so I, you know, I just think back at that and 
and you know, I I harbor, I wouldn't say I harbor resentment, but I certainly I look at that as an opportunity to kind of inform and enhance the way my kids are growing up. And I really push for those guys to experience different types of situations and scenarios as a result. I, I don't think it necessarily hampered me, but it certainly forced my hand to to look for uh, culture in different ways. And it should never really be that hard, right? These, these communities shouldn't be so um, segregated that you can't actually learn a little bit about other folks. So, so that, you know, that's probably one of the biggies for me. Like I, uh, I really wanted something different for my kids and we've tried to instill still some of that thinking and we, we work really hard on that on a daily basis. And then, and then activity, right? Like I, there's a huge value on mental health. And I, I genuinely believe I probably, and it probably sounds like I, I over-rotated on physical health as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a balance there, but it's really, really, really important for people to get out and move their bodies and, you know, listen to themselves. And you, these things lead to longevity. And, um, and that was probably another big, big one for me. Like I didn't grow up in a perfect world. I, you know, I, our family was, I had tr- issues like a lot of, lots of families do, um, but I did learn a couple of the basics and, uh, you know, I think physical and mental health and then, you know, a, a real demand and ask uh, an ambition for social and cultural diversity. Those were some of the key, key things that I, I walked away with growing up. Well, it's a great perspective on growing up because I think most people that know you, I'm being presumptive, but I guess I'll speak uh, from my own perspective in that I do know you and I take you as someone that embraces the concept of inclusivity, um, the concepts of diversity in whatever form that comes. I think we're in a state in which when we say the word diversity, we corner it into racial or ethnic definitions, but diversity comes from ways of thinking, ways of expressing yourself. And I've I've always taken you as a person that naturally embraces that and actually lives by this belief system and sort of diversity and difference of opinion and your circles and the people that you support and have around you. So the contrast in that you didn't necessarily grow up with that sort of dynamic around you physically. I love to know how you began to go on this journey. How did you start to explore and maybe I'll use your words growing up in a sort of lily white or or very sort of monolith type of community. Many people uh, continue that experience into their adulthood. You know, this is what I know. I'm, 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 I'm unwilling to be uncomfortable and learn about others and start to embrace what's important to them. So I'm just very curious for you, Donnie, knowing your background and what you experienced growing up as a young person, I'd love to hear about how you started to migrate out of that sort of foundation into this very inclusive and curious foundation that you bring into your engagements today. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's it's <clears throat> it's one of the benefits of well, at least uh, for me, it was one of the benefits of having so much access to kind of sports and team dynamics and um, 
and, and really having like a, a support system around me that um, nurtured my interests in, in uh, and it, it extends beyond sports certainly, but sports is a big one, nurtured my interest in like being part of teams and being part of a sporting community. And not only for like my local community, but, but beyond, like I, when I'm, when I tell you that I played sports, I was, and I played them all the time. It wasn't like I was out in the driveway shooting hoops. I was, uh, you know, I was on various AAU teams. I was on travel, this, that, the other, I was, um, you know, I was basically just in any league I could be affiliated with and, um, and, and the, you know, kind of the, the natural result was just getting exposed to a lot of great people, a lot of different people, um, a lot of people that I, that I cared about, a lot of people that you get really intimate with really quickly as a result of like um, some of the challenges of, of physical interaction and um, physical competition. Uh, so that, you know, that was a big doorway. Like, you know, I, the communities I grew up in were white, but the surrounding communities weren't, you know, they, there was certainly diversity that was, uh, that was in neighboring communities that I got exposed to. So that, that was really helpful. I also, I, I have a, I have kind of a, not to jump into the deep end of the political pool, but I have a kind of a split family. I have a father who's very conservative and then I have a mother who's very progressive. Um, and, uh, you know, like the, the value system that I grew up with and that I always gravitated toward was much more on the progressive side of the ledger. Um, it just felt more, um, felt more comfortable. It felt more uh, authentic. It felt more like something that I would want to be a part of, you know, just the, the general philosophies of, of kind of like liberal minded politics. And um, so that was, you know, having a mom who is like, very vocal and, you know, really strong-willed and um, clearly like uh, really capable and instilling, you know, some some really structured values was a nice kick in the ass. It was like, uh, mm. didn't really have a choice, but to kind of, you know, do, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have a lot of, I, it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of question. It was just kind of like, hey, we treat people fairly and we're inclusive and, you know, the well before those terms became popularized, we, you know, we were just kind of as a family, just trying to be really welcoming. Like our door is always open. You know, if anyone has any issue of any type, we're gonna try to help out as much as possible. Um, so, you know, I think it was, it was, it was, it was like messages that I was receiving at home and then messages that were being strongly reinforced through uh, both sports and school, mostly sports. And then um, I, you know, I grew up in a similar, just quickly here, I grew up in a similar capacity to everyone that was of a similar age range. And, uh, you know, like music and arts and all of those things really surrounded us when you, when your parents were working long hours and when your brother is a little bit older and had his own things going on, like you basically were um, spending time with, other areas that you could uh, explore, and and I, you know, music was kind of the thing for me that filled in some of those some of those other boxes, and and it was always like I I grew up during, and I I know, I think you and I have talked about this in the past. I grew up during this great period of music, like the transition from hard rock to 
you know, the popularization of uh, R&B and hip hop. And, I, you know, I like I loved music. So I was getting exposed to all, all these different things. My house was like, you know, like, gosh, I really enjoy Guns N' Roses. But you know what? This new NWA tape is so awesome. I want to listen. To that. You know, it's like a lot of that stuff informed who I wanted to be and who I wanted to learn from and what I wanted to learn. And, you know, so that was also playing a, a little bit of a role. They're just kind of popular culture at that time, which I felt like really resonated given my my interest areas so uh yeah it's all, all kind of a a multi-pronged thing going down but uh but it, it, it started with like just kind of like a really solid base and a family that was really caring and a family that was always even political viewpoints aside like these my parents are very warm they're you know they they've always been give back types they've always been like you know try to help to the best of their ability all everyone's welcome always um you know so that's 40 plus years of that is has like worn off in a good way i think but but still also like not perfect and still learning and still trying to get better but that's that's a little bit of what informed at least my my perspective yeah well it reminds me and it kind of makes me think a little bit about um well, before I even go there, I think one of the inspiring parts about hearing your development is something that I'm very passionate about. And I'm going to make an assumption that you are as well, which is the influence of certainly women and our moms in particular on our upbringing. I remember when I was a kid growing up in Chicago, um, we share almost a very similar story, but just the color of the people were different, I guess. You know, growing up in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, you know, I hadn't actually, I don't think I'd actually spent time with anyone other than one teacher I had, Mrs. Carroll, uh, my eighth grade teacher. I don't think I'd actually spent a full day with someone that was white until I'd gone to high school. So there were 13 years of my life the sports I played were still mostly in the South side and or West side of Chicago, predominantly African-American communities. And when I started to go to high school, um, I felt like it was this new world of white America. You know, I went to a private school in uh, Lake Forest and actually you got a chance to see the school. That's where uh, we had our wedding. And, um, a very sort of prestigious institution. And I was fortunate enough to go there. And I remember early on when I started to get confronted with the concept of like diversity and inclusion in my own home, my mom was always someone that said, respect people for who they are. Um, We don't judge by belief, color, ethnicity. And she really did live that way. But I hadn't confronted that advice or that perspective because I just we never had anyone in the house that wasn't black really and so when I got to high school I met this young lady and we started to date and she was half white and I think she was also she also had uh, Mexican heritage really beautiful nice lady and we're still friends today and I remember coming home uh, with her and being terrified about how will this sort of resonate with my family? And 
I'll never forget this warming, welcoming spirit that my mom brought into that experience, you know, and huge hugs. And she took a moment to actually sit us down as a young uh, 14 year old or 15 year old couple and explain to us the importance of what we were doing and sort of bucking because Chicago was still a very segregated city, still one of the most in the country. And it harbors a lot of racial tension to this day. And I remember her sitting us down and just expressing the importance of what we were doing and, and embracing this concept of inclusivity and, and, and love. And, you know, listen, love can come in any color and, and it really shaped a lot of my perspective. So I always think of my mom as someone that was a very big influence on me and how I think about embracing people. And I'll never forget that moment because it was one of many that we encountered together as a family, but overcoming that fear of what I thought, um, uh, my community would think. And it's crazy to say it out loud this day, interracial dating, you know? I mean, so there's a saying, if you're a hip hop art uh, fan, there's Common is a famous rapper from Chicago. And uh, he has this song where he says uh, he had never been past downtown. So downtown is like the center point of Chicago. And it it's the separator. Like when you go downtown, things start to mix. So you're from the South side. And then you're going down. That's our our center downtown. And then when you pass that, you're on the north side. And as a kid, I'd never been past down. I never been to the north side. It was like a foreign country to me. But I I, I really remember my mom helping me realize that it was okay, you know, to engage with other people. And now being a parent, you know, I think about those words and I think about those moments that she sat me down to express explicit. Uh, perspectives on real things in our world. And I think this year, this time, forget year. I mean, we have drawn a lot of the turmoil that we're living into 2020, but that's not the case, right? I mean, we've been, we've been managing around a lot of racial tension, a lot of political tension, a lot of sort of belief dissension in our country for some time. But I think now more than ever, I've had to kind of be a bit more intentional about how I engage with my children. And for people that know you, Donnie, I mean, we always laugh about it, but we're also so sort of, we admire it as well as that you're a father of a a, a fairly large family and and modern day times, five children, beautiful children, a wonderful wife. And I guess I wanted to ask you, how have these times impacted your relationship and intention with your children? Because I do think that that forming, you know, positive generations is a key to how we start to come to some resolution in this country. And it starts with the home. And um, I just wanted to know how these times have actually impacted your parenting approach and relationship with your kids. Yeah. Um, Man, so... This, it's funny, these te- the, this period of time, if, if we're gonna try to like, if we're gonna try to put like um, a parameter around COVID specifically or the pandemic, you know, uh, dating back meaningfully to spring of last year and kind of the, um, the change in terms of approach, like, you know, I had five kids before, uh, before exactly. COVID, so it's, um, something that's been with me for a while. 
<laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, I, there's this whole the whole situation has resulted in um, this like immersion in the in the notion of like uh, semi permanence, which is such a um, you know it's just kind of a downer, right? Like I uh, I don't know, it, maybe it's not a downer, maybe it's exactly what is called for, but to me it doesn't feel like a doesn't feel like an uplifting topic. But what I, what I mean by that is like, um, it's hard to look beyond uh, a certain period of time. It's hard, it, you know, and for me, that's kind of like these 24 hour chunks right now. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that, depending on the time period. But um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really cognizant of the, of the fact that things can change uh, at any point and um, and there are so many different variables to be considerate of, and that's that's kind of why um, semi-permanence has become top of mind. So, so with that, it's uh, it's become a fight to just kind of really focus on awareness, right, and really be in a moment. Um, and I think it's I think that is not a new concept for a parent. Um, but I'll tell you, I've got a daughter who's almost 16 at this point, and I have a little boy. My youngest is just, you know, just turned four over the summer, and uh, I've been a parent for a long time. And I, you know, there's there hasn't been a point in time where I've been more aware of awareness, like more more cognizant of my attempts to be. Uh, within this point in time and kind of see things through their eyes and make a more genuine um, contribution. And I think it's because I'm nervous that, uh, you know, you don't know what's around the corner. Like, you, God forbid, worst case scenario. And let's let's be hopeful that all good things, uh, you know, we're, we're emerging from a really difficult time period and, and better days are ahead. Um, just can't, it's, you can't really afford, or at least I don't feel like I can afford to be uh, apathetic with regard to parenting anymore. So that, and that's, and I have been, I, you know, there's definitely been times when I haven't, you know, there's, when you, you get into a routine, this is just a, an illustration, but you get into a routine, at least I was in a routine where I was commuting a bunch and I was working in the city and like, there's so much to do in the city as it relates to like your own personal interests, like Monday to Friday of, effectively can just turn into 75% work, 25%, whatever you want to do. And then it's like, you got the two days on the weekend to recover a little bit from the five days of the week and maybe hug your kids a couple times and take them to the park. And, uh, am I worried about things? Yes. Um, am I trying to, am I trying to carve out time during every day, especially now? Um, to to like kind of push that out and and move in some some one-on-one or one-on-five or two-on-five or whatever the case may be uh time to really connect and uh and relate and support and love and nurture and cater yeah and like that's though i i think that's all, all very intuitive it, it hadn't always been part of the habit and um and, and now it's definitely it's it's more of a habit than not so that's that's been interesting it's been it's been it's made me i think it's made me probably a happier person 
Um, I certainly feel like I'm, I'm more involved in my kids' lives today than I have been in the past, which is a good feeling. Um, hopefully a good feeling for everyone involved. Um, so yeah, man, just trying to, just trying to, I know you're really good at this stuff. Like I've, I've seen you with, with your son and, uh, I've known you forever and I, you know, you've always worked really hard, but it hasn't always been at my fingertips. So the, the time is a blessing in that it's allowed me to really, um, really think about how I can be more involved and how I can be more in the moment with my children. So that's, that's a lot of the, of the focus and same thing with my wife. Like, you know, it's, we've been married for a really long time and I'm not an easy personality. And so it's like you, or I don't, I don't believe, I'm, I, I don't believe myself to be an easy person. I don't think anyone's easy when you're together all the time. So uh, trying to figure out how to actually listen and hear and react and then anticipate and, you know, kind of be a, a more fulsome person um, has been a, has been a really good experience and I'm not great at it yet. And I'm sure when all this stuff hopefully resolves, there's plenty more to learn. Like how do you transition back to a, a different type of a schedule and a different type of routine while maintaining some of the learnings. So I think that's going to be a challenge ahead, hopefully. Well, I want to build on this part of our conversation and share a little bit and then maybe ask you to respond to an experience that I've sort of managed yesterday you know, as we're recording this right now, um, I'm not sure what the media or history will call it, but yesterday, which was January 6, 2021, our nation saw um, a alarm, an alarming and certainly unique uh, expression of uh, political views by way of some call it invading some some call it marching some some call it um you know challenging our, our capital and i'm a person that tries to stay in the know and i'm in my office and i'm watching this news on cnn and i've tried to balance exposure of some of this to my kids while not um eliminating it because they have to know and my son he's eight he walks in and he's like hey dad what's that you know and it just happened to be like a horrific scene that he came in on. And so, you know, I have to sit and have a conversation with him about what's going on on TV, you know. And then as I'm going through it, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as slowly as I possibly can because I'm reflecting on me at eight years old and all the things I can remember that my parents told me, you know, and how it created this bedrock of my belief system, but I'm confronted with the challenge, Donnie, of do I not say anything? You know, do, do I approach this with my son in an apathetic way in that uh, those are, don't worry about that son. That's, that's for adults, you know, or do I sit him down and have a conversation with him about what we're experiencing? And we did that. And then I took a walk and reflected on it and I felt like I did the right thing and I said the right things. So it's a bit of a double click into my question about how the year has impacted your parenting. I, if you don't mind, I, I, if there were moments over the course of this pandemic period where you felt like you had some tough conversations or some 
vulnerable conversations with your kids that you felt were intended to create a better world for us. Um, I love to hear about those types of experiences in which us as fathers, you're totally right. In the normal non-stay-at-home scenario, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't have time to do. <laughs> it's like, look, I, I see you mate out of the you know, 24 hours a day, I, I might see you an hour or two. I come read you a story at bed and I give you a kiss and then, you know, same thing every day. But now we can't avoid having this type of confrontation uh, with our children so that they can come out of this on a positive side. So I just wanted to double click into that ex- exploration with you to kind of hear if you've had any very specific moments where you've you've had to have a conversation with your kids about what we're experiencing from either a pandemic, a racial, a political, a climate perspective, and how you would like your children to perceive or at least understand what we're experiencing today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's two, I mean, yesterday was one, right? And, uh, yesterday being January 6th, your point. And then, and then there was another one, which I'll, I'll touch on, but you know, that, so I, and they're related. So, so I'll try to, I'll try to connect the two here. The way we handled yesterday basically was everybody sit down and let's watch we were watching MSNBC. I think we were flipping back and forth between CNN and MSNBC. And let's just watch what's going on. And um, the flurry of questions uh, from our kids, you know, mo- mostly the older ones, like you can't really, my, my two younger boys are harder to like, they're a little bit young and they're rambunctious and so they're, they're harder to like get focused for an extended period of time. They have questions, but they, they also tend to just kind of move really quickly, the mosquitoes. Um, but my girls were, uh, you know, engaged watching, asking questions, not, you know, like have heard us talk about, uh, the political environment for the past two years, at least in like real, like full throated in a real full throated manner, you know, obviously four years ago or so we were devastated. This is, this is my opinion. This is not, you know, not, not everyone feels the same, but our family took it really took the news really hard. And then two years ago, as we started warming up for this period, and then, you know, maybe six months ago and things started to get really, really hot. And, and of course, um, the culmination of all this stuff uh, yesterday, hopefully the culmination of all this stuff yesterday. Um, and and I'm, I, I believe there's been a couple moments in my life where people have said, hey, rather than this instance being curated by someone else, I just want the raw unfiltered stuff. Mm. And I wanna deal with it uh, the way I can deal with it at that moment in time in question. And that to me is, you know, more of a comforting experience than having this curated discussion curated dialogue january 6 is going to be is going to remain a momentous occasion by the way and 
And then finding out years later or moments later, whenever that it wasn't the way it was described to me and, and things were far different. And now I have to kind of grapple with what I thought I knew and what I now know and, and the Delta between uh, uh, the information that was shared. And, um, and so, you know, we've, we've kind of gone more toward the side of like, let's get our older guys, the ones who can like stomach it, let's get them uh, seeing the world, uh, seeing the world at large and seeing all the, all the bad and the good. And, um, you know, hopefully with that information, they'll feel more empowered as days and weeks and months uh, go on. That's, that's the, and then, and of course, you know, like, we're not, we're not putting them to bed, tucking them in and turning on BBC news hour and whatever, <laughs> leaving them. But, but uh, having them see through their own eyes, um, some of the tragedy as it relates to yesterday. And then, and again, some of the, some of the highs as well. Um, you know, I think it's, a, I think that's, where we're starting to try to get our footing versus what I, what I believe I would have done in another circumstance where I would have said to your point, Hey, those people are, I would have just been dismissive. Those people are crazy. Can you imagine like Mm. that's Capitol Hill, you know, like, you know, all, all, all these areas, all these iconic, all this iconic imagery that my kids have like, you know, my, my kids have been all over that area, DC, I'm sure your kids have as well. And like, you know, so it's, so um, I think I would have probably pre maybe maybe a year and a half ago, I would have been like, let me take this one on the chats for you guys and just know we're in better hands as of late January. And this last four years was just a total shit show that's that's become incredibly visible to the what should, should be incredibly invisible to the entirety of the country. Mm. And that type of uh, curation might make me feel like better for a moment, but it doesn't make any sense to my kids. So they, you know, they're just like, what the fuck is dad talking about? So I, so mm-hmm. we've, we've gone kind of like full hose, like check it out, ask questions. Let's talk openly about what we think is going wrong here. And, and, uh, and the next steps or the eventuality of, of our political system. That's that. I, I, it came up uh, earlier on during this period because um, on my, on, on both of our sides, but largely on my uh, wife's side, there are some, there are some family health issues, mm. um, mental and physical and, uh, and both immediate and extended. And we, we had to do all of the things that people have done to anticipate uh, worst case scenarios. We had to like, we were like planning for, uh, you know, I, you're, you're planning for any anticipated outcome when you just don't know how, uh, you know, how things are going to play out. And, and of course, our family is largely in L.A. and it's largely in New York. And though New York has been somewhat consistent in terms of uh, navigating the pandemic, L.A. has had a, a real roller coaster ride. And, and it's been seemingly new information and, and really bad information, really bad news, at least. Uh, for for extended periods, so real concerns about um, family health and wellness, um, and then and then coupled out with some of the fires that were going on, and and you know it's just been there's been a lot of a lot of downs. Um, so you know we we were going through the process of talking about vulnerability and talking about our extended family when we're going to see them, and you know what the what the potential um, 
scenarios could look like, right? Given that people are, given mm. that, you know, as you get a little bit older, there are frailties that, that surface and they're not a stones, they're away, they're 3,300 miles or something. So, uh, so we started talking about my wife's family and their history and um, some of the, you know, some of the challenges associated with mental health and physical health as you get older. And, uh, and I remember at a point in time, and, and, and this is not, you know, this is not my story to tell necessarily, but I'll, I'll let you know that my, my wife's father specifically, is, he's just been grappling with all sorts of issues um, for a long time. And part of, uh, part of like the real low periods has been um, attempts at suicide and, and the, you know, the, um, the pressure that that can put on not only the person uh, who's, you know, who, who feels so awful, but also the surrounding family. And it's, so if you have multiple attempts, you know, these things can be really stressful. But anyway, I remember at some point, my wife was like encouraging this conversation about grandpa's, you know, relatively scattered medical history. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know that I want that information shared openly with our kids. I just don't know that they can handle that. I don't even know if they understand the notion of suicide. Right. I, I, mm. I, I don't know where they sit on that. And I, I'd rather wade into that water easily. And, and I, and there was this like real uh, or, or like slowly. And, and my wife had this, this really, I don't know if she would, even realized that this was impactful to me. And she had this moment where she kind of looked at me and was like, it's the same bullshit that my parents did to me when I was a kid and it didn't do me any good. Like you mm. have to kind of come with it here and be really honest. Or the next thing you're going to know is you're missing a family member and you don't know why you find mm. out years later. And, and um, it hit me really hard and I thought it made a lot of sense. And um, I don't really see the downside in exposing people. Like I don't want it all to be, uh, bad dreams and, and, um, uh, and like, um, bad news. But I also think imparting as much information as possible is really helpful. And, uh, and I think it'll pay off. I, I genuinely believe that it'll pay off. It'll make my kids better people, more well-rounded people. So, you know, trying to bridge the gap between, um, just emotional inexperience of like, of kids who are ranging from elementary to high school, and um, and the practical realities of having a family that's really big and uh, has a whole bunch of different um, challenges and and like trying to trying to get that information out there in a manner that's not overly curated. That's that's been you know that that's been one of those lessons during this thing. It's been tough and I think fulfilling. Um, but yeah, those are those are kind of two scenarios where it's just like, hey, that, this is the way we've handled it. I don't know if it's right. I I think it feels. It feels like it's okay. Like, you know, I've been reflecting on same as you for this, at least, you know, for the past 20 hours or 12 hours or however long this nonsense has been happening at Capitol Hill. And uh, I think it's the right approach. I just think as long as you're giving information and then you're there to also support as questions or concerns or anxiety surface, and that is going to happen, right? That's what happens to kids. So it's trying to here's a little bit, here's a lot bit, here's whatever it is. And now like being really aware that your job's not done now, now you have to start to listen and react to how they ingest that info. So yeah, that, two, two quickies. There's definitely, you know, there's, there's others, but those are, those are ones that stick out to me. Well, I often talk about parenthood and, and, and being a, a father because, um, I tend to associate it with similar skill sets you need 
as a business leader and managing organizations or people within the organizations and uh, just rather straightforward and quickly, how do you think your experiences during all of this has actually shaped your perspective on being a leader? And what, and what I mean by that is I think this is my perspective, Donnie. I think let's flash forward to a time in which we start to uh, have more opportunities to engage with people in person. So I'm, I'm going to refrain from this term of return to normal because I don't know if I want to return to the shit that we were doing before either. Right. So I'm not trying to return to anything, but I do look forward to the day in which we can interact with people in our professional and personal environments in person. And we're in that world now. And I am convinced that when we reenter that world, the way that we engage with people has to be different. It's simple things. In my perspective, do I need everyone that I work with to be in the office every day when I know that their physical and mental health is being challenged because they're going to be frowned upon if they call out of work because they have to take a doctor's appointment. No, you shouldn't have to be confronted with that challenge. No. When we start to engage with people in person, there will be a lot of mental pain that people have experienced during this time, whether they lost someone, whether they saw racial injustice, whether they feel as if the election was stolen. I don't know where you sit, but people will have some emotional pain that they can't leave out of the workspace. They're going to have to bring that into this environment somehow. And me as a leader, I'm going to have to think about how do I engage with that? You know, or the third thing I'll express is there are a lot of women in our industry that have been confronted with this binary decision of do I am I a professional or can I be a mom? And now that sort of dynamic has been upturned to a completely new degree of consideration. Now you're a mom and a parent and a CEO all at once. Your childcare isn't available because they can't be in person. And so now you're expected to return to in-person activity, but you still have the same family dynamics that you were experiencing during COVID. So I have really spent a lot of time thinking about this new world of leadership and how I manage and communicate with my organization, the people that I relate to and am accountable to in a more vulnerable, accepting um, and present way than I was right. before. I, I mean, you were probably being a bit facetious about selfishness, but heck yeah, I, I completely agree. I think up until this time, I really had a one-way vision on work, you know, get it done, accomplish the task, show up every day. And this is going to sound horrible, but push everyone around me as hard as I can because I work my ass off and I won't accept anything less. And I'm now rethinking that. So I guess you are someone that many in our industry admire and look up to. And I think you represent to me, of course, a strong representation of leadership. And I wanted to understand from you, have you as you have experienced a lot of 
this time, you know, has it had an, a notable impact on how you think about this idea of leadership and how you want to represent leadership in your day-to-day engagements? Yeah, yeah, um, totally, yes. You know, it's funny, I, so <clears throat> I think some of the tools, some of the, at least some of the philosophy that we've, we as a organizational culture have like embraced over time are very relevant still. Like I, you know, I think we, we were trying to slowly get to this place where, where we allowed people flexibility and that flexibility, and, it, and, and this stuff sounds very basic, but for us, it was, it was a little bit of a departure, but we're, that flexibility meant, hey, no more like raising, no more side eye if a person needs to take at the afternoon off to go do whatever it is on, you know, like if someone wakes up early and gets their work done, someone works late, like this is, this is their life, right? This is the, this is them na- navigating their own responsibilities. Let's embrace that, especially since we know that this community is like um, rich with talent. Like what, you know, what's, what's the downside of embracing a slightly non-conforming uh, work-life schedule. So, you know, we, we weren't great at it, but we were at least starting to socialize the concept um, prior to, to the, to COVID. So I, so I think we, I, you know, and, and, and we started to kind of roll out certain um, resources for folks, which I think are, are still viable and relevant. I, I'll tell you for me, and, and, and by the way, we empowered leadership throughout the organization to kind of handle dynamics as they see fit, you know, and, and I, I had always kind of leaned into that, or I thought I was leaning into it um, to the best of my ability, because I really, I care about the work, but I care about the people and I don't want to be the person ever. I don't want to be the, the quote unquote leader that is um, stifling and or, um, you know, even inches toward like creates creating like an abusive work environment. Like I just don't, I don't care if the work is shit, really, if people are like, Hey, this, this person's an okay person, you know, he's, he's got my best interest in mind. I, I would prefer that the work not be shit, but, but I'm not, I, 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 w- I would never want the alternative scenario. And the, the, and this is not, you know, there's, mm. there's a huge spectrum here. So the, these are not the options, but I would hate it if someone was like, gosh, he gets great stuff done, but you know, that guy's a real dickhead. Like I don't, I don't, oh. you know, I, I'm, just, I'm not in it for that. So, so I, you know, we try to create a, relationship with the people that I work with most closely that's supportive and um and it's um what is it it's like nurturing but not like you know it's not uh it's it's intended to be fulfilling it's intended to be uh as wholesome and fulsome as possible related to the work that we do so that that was that was kind of you know it was like be a good person and believe in the talent and the work will come. That, that was kind of the, uh, the casual way of, of operating. I think can now, I, can and, I build on way, that? Oh, I'm sorry. What? Can, can I build on that? You're okay. Oh, if yeah, I build yeah, on that one? Yeah. And then don't forget the now part, but I, I, you, there's no way you can describe how you have operated without me sharing a bit of my sort of benefit of that perspective. And then I think, 
it actually is a great way of, 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 of expanding into how you're even growing your openness and perspective on how you manage and lead. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to understand for someone like me, I can remember, uh, I never forget this. I can remember walking into your office. I don't remember what year it was and saying, Hey, my father is, he's not feeling well. And I, I need to, I need to get back to Chicago. I have to move to Chicago. I don't, I have to. So, and I, so I'm, I'm quitting, I'm leaving. Uh, I don't want to, but you know, we don't have an office in Chicago and I have to be home. I have to be home. I don't have another choice, you know? So this is a sad day for me. And I, I remember at a time in which I don't think any organization was doing this. You asked me to give us, you know, some time to think about this. And long story short, I had, you know, the best three and a half years of my life, you know, where I was able to live in Chicago and work for Horizon Media in New York. And, and having that dialogue with you, having that dialogue with Bill, you know, about what you said, which is respecting the dynamics of the talent and also the needs of the human. I had a very specific human need, which was, and as you know, you know, my father passed shortly after, you know? And so I think that that is something that has always stayed with me. And, and had I had, had, had you and had the organization not provided that opportunity to be quite frank, I don't think I would, I don't think I would have grown and achieved as much as I have. And I think that story gets left out of it is not only the sort of benefit for the human, you know, I think that I certainly benefited as a human in my family and being able to have that time. But I do believe that I brought some credible work to the industry and our organization at that time. And part of it was because of the loyalty that, was instilled in me because of that openness. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, I just wanted to expand on a tangible outcome of that approach and one that I've always admired about your work. And, um, and yeah, to continue, I'm, I'm, I'm quite curious about how you can continue to expand that sort of openness and, 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 and vulnerability and how you lead and, and manage folks and respect their, you know, individual needs, because I, I, I think what you've done and what you represent is, is quite remarkable. Um, but I would imagine that our, our times have, have certainly added an additional lens to how you may want to approach that. Yeah. So I, one, you're, you're, uh, you've always been a rare instance, Jason, like I, I've worked with lots and lots of people over time. You vote, you just to just kind of provide one, just a brief reaction you're just a different type. Like, you, you know, there's you, it, and it was very clear. I've known you forever. It was very clear right away. Um, you know, you're, you're, we, it would be amazing if every single person I worked with was as blessed and gifted as you are and as caring and thoughtful and hardworking and capable and, you know, all the things that, that you are. So decisions like allowing you to work remotely or, uh, are really easy in that in that moment in time. It's more like, hey, can we as an organization support uh, this? Like, can we actually make it work physically? Um, 
but it was never, it would never be a question, right? And and there's other people that are really gifted within the walls, but it's not, you're, you are a unique individual um, and you have always been. And uh, and I do, I recall that discussion and I recall a lot of aspects of, of working and partnering together. Um, and I certainly learned uh, a tremendous amount from our, our working relationship. That, that was a, that was one of those things that, was unique at the time, I guess. Now that I think back at it, but was so obvious as well because of um, because of your earnestness and your and your ability and your contribution to the organization and all the all the things that you shared. Um, so that what you you I mean I appreciate uh, I appreciate the sentiment, but you made that decision really really easy uh, for me. Um, but yeah, so the, so the and the one thing here, and I don't know. If, I maybe alluded to it, but didn't share it. All, all of that stuff philosophically about uh, leadership is to, has, has been accurate for, you know, for the better part of my professional career, certainly in managing people. But the one area where I've never been, where I've always kind of, I've never been decisive or I've, I've always kind of been on the fences in, in terms of um, assuming accountability for someone's personal uh, areas of interest or personal lives. And, uh, um, and I probably actually like early on in my career, it was probably a little bit messy, like maybe certain instances, yes. And other instances, no. And it was like, there wasn't a real formula to it. And then as I, as I grew, um, or as I got older, I should say, I was just like, you know what, I, I'm going to treat everyone with respect, professional courtesy. And I, and I'm here, I'm a, resource should people want to share any sort of information like that's applicable i'm i'm more than available but but i'm not really i'm not looking to get involved in people's personal lives and um i think that's kind of the gonna be the difference moving forward here i think like it's really hard to it's going to be really difficult to separate professional and personal uh, and also create a culture that's um, relevant. You know, I just don't think you can do it anymore. I, I think those were, those like rules were set up um, to, they were basically rules to set up to avoid litigious discussions. And now we're, you know, we're in a different, we're in a different world where, um, you know, people, are, people are, People have always been nuanced, but now it's like it's up to organizations like ours to really um, make sense of how that nuance becomes woven into the fabric and the DNA of what we want to do and who we want to be and uh, who we want to surround ourselves with and the talent we want to appeal to and the clients and marketers that we want to work with and the services we want to provide. And, and um, so I think, you know, a challenge for me is going to be how to you know, how to be comfortable and how to also add value to folks um, with regard to the, that like intersection of their professional contribution and their personal lives. And uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know that every, I, I certainly don't believe that I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm up, I'm up for that challenge and I'm interested in that challenge. And I, I look forward to, uh, I look forward to having an office, which is weird because I, I've never really looked forward to having an office, but I look forward to having an office and I look forward to the next conversation with someone who's going through a difficult period similar to yours. And I look forward to being able to help navigate and support um, to the best of my ability and our ability. Um, but I don't know that I'm like keenly, 
well equipped to have that discussion across lots and lots of different people. Um, so there is going to there is going to be a trial period, but I do think like I think understanding the entirety of a person um, and being able to support that person in a more uh, comprehensive way as they pursue professional and personal interests is going to be really important for managers and leadership and and it, and it should be already really important we've just kind of we've talked ourselves out of it for lots of real reasons but i i think we're gonna have to talk ourselves back into it or talk ourselves into it and um and do so in short order if we want to be a vibrant uh capable successful organization and i know we we want to be and i want to be you know i want to i want to maintain like a relevant footing in in a leadership community and i want to be part of a next generation of really gifted uh talent whether that's within our walls or outside so i think that's the that's the proving ground for us and it's again these are like small these are like shades i'm sure there are managers already who are like you know what one of my keys is getting to know people on a personal level i'm like yeah well you know what one of my keys has not been that you know because to me that feels a little icky right like i don't want to be the guy who 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 forces his way into someone's world if they don't if they're if they're not looking for it or who feels like they're um they don't have leverage so that they're they have to overshare like i've never really wanted to be a person who's who's kind of approached uh my community of talent in that way but i i do think there's there's got there's gonna have to be a real respect and a real like comfort level established there so that managers can make and leadership can make better decisions on behalf of their communities with like a more wholesome or fulsome picture of of their lives, of their collective lives. So uh one of the things that drew me to you as a leader, um, it which is really strange, is just who's the guy with all the tattoos? I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is so smart. And, you know, I've spent so many years of my professional life hiding or trying to bundle my tattoos into all the areas that wouldn't be exposed or judged. And, you know, people are always curious about where your love of sort of body art sort of began. And, and also if I, so that's one question. And then if you don't mind, you know, where and when did you gain the confidence to express that part of your personality when, to be frank, I think when you were probably doing that, our industry was quite resistant to sort of professional and workplace body art and, and artistic expression. So I, I just wanted to understand a bit of that history and, and, and how you became very comfortable with, with bringing that aspect of your passion and, and your self-expression into your workspace. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I started getting tattooed really, really early. I, I, you know, I grew up in a, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a community that was pretty small and it was like kind of farmy and it was right on the um, border of New York and Connecticut. And that, and, uh, when I was like just able to drive, which was in that area 16, I would, um, I would drive off or I, I drove off to this like totally shitty tattoo spot and I got my first tattoo uh, and it was awful and it was gross and it was all the things that you can imagine um, being in like <laughs> backwoods of, 
of New York, like Hudson River Valley and whatnot. And um, <laughs> what was it? What do you remember? Like what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a panther. It was like uh, <laughs> it was a panther on my shoulder. It was like a totally cliched um, tattoo. And I co- I've since covered it up with another uh, panther on my shoulder, which is a bit a bit more of a traditional um, take. But uh, but it started from uh, it started from actually. And this is I don't want to spend. Uh, too much more of your time but it it started from a bad spot it was really like destructive it was really like a form of self-destruction um at that period and looking back at it like i was like a lot of kids go go to high school and you know have trouble with their family and have trouble with their you know their girlfriends or trouble with their social groups or whatever or maybe sports isn't going your way or school isn't going your way or whatever the case may be i was i wasn't always the happiest kid and um, you know, I, I, I was, I think I just kind of reverted to this notion of like, okay, then all, you know, maybe tough is like for me. So let's, let's be the young guy who's playing sports, who's tattooed up like before you're supposed to be. So, um, that's where it started. And thankfully, uh, it graduated to something that was much more positive and, um, and, um, you know, much more an area of, of passion uh, for me and and it's just art, right? Like, so I, I when I went to college, I went to college at the University of Wisconsin. I worked at a bunch of restaurants. I, I worked at a bunch of places, bars, and I was um, uh, soup for a couple buildings and a carpenter and, a, you know, like a carpenter's apprentice and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just because my work would tend to get done at a period of time when a local tattoo shop would start to like pick up, they would tattoo from like 9 p.m. to, to midnight. I, I would start to like wrap up work and then head over there and start to get tattooed. And I, and I started um, hanging out with a couple guys who I really liked as people, young kids in the art school. And, um, and I really liked their tattoo work as well. So that's where it, it turned into kind of more of a positive, like, Hey, these these kids are super talented. They're not they're not talented tattoo artists only, though they're they're pretty incredible. But these kids are like they're in art history schools. They're accomplished students. They are painters. You know, they they're just like they're another level. I remember like being so like admiring them um, for their creativity and and their uniqueness and their individuality, especially from where I was coming from and, and in the middle of Wisconsin. Like you didn't see a lot of uh, kids who were painting and, and whatnot. So, um, that really turned me on to more of the, the aesthetic side of tattoo art. Um, and the, and like the more, the like lawless creativity, which was not, which is not about being, you know, a tough guy or out of bounds or breaking the rules is more like, Hey, art can really exist in any of a number of different ways. And it's art for the sake of, uh, you know, creating art and creating something that's, that's bigger than you. And so, um, and so that's, that's where it's, that's what it's always been for me since it's always been like, who, who are the artists that I'm really feeling at this point in time and how can I celebrate, um, their creativity and, and what do I, what really motivates me and inspires me and, you know, and then whether that, whether I'm the canvas and I get tattooed or I, I purchase, you know, I, 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 I don't, you know, I, I spend some amount of my own time and interest and money in purchasing art, you know, like that doesn't, res- that isn't on my body, that isn't ink, um, but done by the, done by a similar social circle, like guys who may be tattoo artists, but also painting or, 
or photography or whatever the case may be. So, uh, it's all, it's always been just about like the joy and the purity of uh, art and creativity. And, and, and you're right, man, at a certain, there was definitely like when I first got out of college and, and was like, Hey, am I going into a real professional world or am I going to keep doing what I've been doing? There was probably a moment in time when I was like, I got to wear long sleeves and I got to, you know, cover up. And I certainly did. I, you know, like it was easy enough at that point to throw a sweater on or button down and you couldn't really tell maybe you could uh, but i didn't, didn't feel like i had tattoos um like i was so ubiquitously tatted that you could tell uh, you know what was going down um but i also I, I pretty quickly i'll say maybe within a year of being in the professional world i was like if being in the professional world means that i can't hold these things dearly near and dear then I don't want to do it you know it's like I that's that was a that was a real um decision like if I if I'm not going to get a job because I have a tattoo on my neck or I'm not going to get a job because I have tattoos on my hands or something like you're joking like uh you know go basically just go fuck yourself I don't want your job you know I can figure it out I can always go back to doing any of a number of things I've done in the past I'm not I'm not wed to any of this stuff so much that I'd compromise my interest in the art community or my interests that fall outside of the professional world. So uh, it's a small, that's like a very small bit of it. Like, I don't, I don't believe I've ever been, uh, I, I well said, said differently. I mean, I'm in, I'm a white guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a tall white blonde dude. I, I, every single um opportunity has been handed over to me uh so i don't you know like i'm not the guy who's being scrutinized for having tattoos i've never run into any sort of interference as a result of of my tattoos but should i ever i uh it's it's pretty clear that i will not be in my mind it's pretty clear that i won't be covering them up i love it man i uh I'm sure you have another meeting right now. <laughs> uh, so maybe we just close with a, a very quick question, man, which is you've accomplished a lot in your life. You've taken on a lot of challenges and you've bucked the trend uh, and created your own path, which is inspiring to many people. But you said something earlier about you're continuing to learn, you know, and I just wanted to close with, as you think about your path and your future and, what's important to you, what is inspiring you these days? And essentially what is sort of motivating you to continue to evolve? And if you were to sort of imagine the next five, 15, 20 years, you know, what does that sound like for your growth and and, and what gets you excited as you sort of wake up and conquer every new day? Yeah. Well, so learning the, you know, a learning agenda, like a personal learning agenda in and of itself is exciting, right? Because, um, you know, like, you remember that feeling, I don't know if you ever had this feeling, this is the feeling I, I remember the feeling of walking through Tribeca on any given morning. And like, I would get off the subway, be come down from Penn Station, I'd get off the subway at a different stop, you know, give myself lots of walking time. And what I started to realize is like, hey, the reason why I liked that portion of the day so much is because you could see anything. You could see anyone, you could see a new store, you could see light differently, you could find a new street. You could, you know, it was like, 
there's so much to explore and um, so much to learn. You could find that new restaurant that you heard about. You could find a new restaurant that you've never heard about. You know, it's like there was always like uh, an opportunity for something new and different. Um, that's it. That's it. For that's it's in illustration of the way I want to live my life and what motivates me. Like I, I want to continue to have new experiences. I feel like that one is really fulfilling for me personally, but I also think it makes for a more interesting, um, you know, life and a more diverse life and a more uh, complete life. So, so that's a big one for me. Um, just continuing to round out uh, my experiences. And I haven't had a tremendous amount yet. Like I think I have a, a long road to go. So over the next, I, I, I'd anticipate myself working until I'm like mid seventies and I would, and working for me is really just like, how can you combine uh, your own capability with, with experiences? So that's, that's a big one. And then we talked about it at length and, you know, seeing my kids through as much of this journey as possible is another really big one. Like. I want, you know, my kids are so interesting and they're so thoughtful and they're so smart. Um, so, you know, learning from them and seeing them and helping them, like, you know, guiding them loosely, that's that's another really big one. And then, you know, a legacy is, is something. It's not, I'm not like captain legacy guy, but um, I do want, I do, I do still feel like, when I look back on, on things at the end, I wanna feel good about um, what I, where I've been, what I've done, who I've spent time with, and uh, what people may think about the time that they got to spend with me and uh, spend with me. And so, so that, uh, that motivates me as well. Like I'm, I'm little wins on a daily basis, bigger wins hopefully, um, but it, legacy is a big part of, of uh, what motivates me too. So uh, kind of all those things in concert, but, it, but there's plenty to be motivated by. I'm not, you know, I'm not suffering from a lack of motivation at this point. Um, it's just what you want to do with it, right? It's like, how do you, how do you put that into um, the time that you spend on a daily basis? I think that's a big question. And, and that's one that, you know, you and I have explored uh, personally and will continue to explore, I'm sure. And, you know, I, I uh, spend more time on now and, you know, I think, I think the result will be related to everything we've talked about today, which is like, Hey, a diversification of the things that you do, right? Like maybe I do some work in marketing and maybe I do some work that's more design related. And maybe I do some work that's a little bit more X, Y, or Z. Maybe we get into retail. We have some cool ideas about give back for the community. And, you know, I think it's just going to be like uh, this, like, you know, this, this mix of, uh, different experiences that uh, fill a piece of your interest areas, but also give opportunity to expand your mind and, and experience other people and learn about those people and become uh, more empathetic along the way and um, just become a, a better, more well-rounded uh, contributor. So uh, that's it. But, uh, but plenty like, you know, that conversation, that, is a short question. It should be a short response. It's actually, it's a really big one. And, um, and there's lots of different areas where you could, uh, you could spend time and explore, but it's not for a lack of uh, motivation. It's more like, how do you make the most out of the time that you have at your disposal? And, and what are the priorities? And for me, learning is, it's lifeblood, you know, so uh, that's got to be, that's got to be a big piece of it.
I love it. All right, Donnie. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me a wealth of time. This was by far my most enjoyable discussion, man. And um, I'm thankful for you as a friend, as a mentor, as a leader, as a fellow father, all the above, man. So um, I just want to thank you and, and, and I appreciate everything that you've done. Well, man, thank you so much for having me. I love you as a buddy. You know that you're, uh, you're one of my closest friends at this point. Um, I love all the work you're doing certainly as well. Um, you know, I'm always around. I look forward to doing another one of these uh, further out, but, um, but thanks for having me, man. It's been fun to chat as always. And uh, this has been really like restorative for me. I was looking forward to this and, uh, and it felt good. It felt nice to spend time. Feel how to live a life that's real, true.